What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam. The Braves were in first place, Kalal, and we are Atlanta Zone. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, black ass hijinks, and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Graham, I'm a, a little concerned. You're concerned now. A little scared. And uh, also wishing that we had some sort of camera set up in the Adam Kalau studio today mm. so people could truly see how much of a psychopath you are watching you try to set up this uh, aggregate device to make this podcast happen. Well, first the old computer wasn't working, then the new computer wasn't working. And I've already been going through issues like I told you about where I'm microanalyzing things that don't need to be microanalyzed, and this is just only adding to my stress level. Yeah, I, I, so. Not a good start to the evening. This is this is a casual thing we do, Graham. You know, we, we come here, we're, we're friends, right? You and I? Yeah. yeah. I'd say we're mere acquaintances. <laughs> okay. Well, either way, mere acquaintances. Acquaintances <laughs> that enjoy each other's time every now and sure, then. Sure, right. Uh, this is a relaxing environment, Graham. Mm. It's chill. Yeah, talk to me. And I really need you to start this podcast in a good headspace, because I have concerns over our battle that we're going to have later in this podcast once we start talking about will smith but not yet but not yet so i need you to start on a nice positive note the braves even though they're losing what 11 to 2 right now they've still won their last four series in a row game out of first place like two weeks ago we were five games out of first place this is all good stuff and also while we're on the topic if intern joseph were here our tech guy this wouldn't have been a concern you would have been lounging you know just getting your head on straight and he would have been dealing with these tech issues even but a button was disappearing at him i can't do anything about that i don't think even joseph could do anything about that intern joseph would have figured it out (laughs) joseph intern joseph would have figured it out probably in a much calmer state of mind than you were probably but we're good now right we're good okay cool cool should we, should we talk some sports? Yeah, let's talk some sports, Adam. As you mentioned, going into today at least, the Braves were 59-55. and 55, A share of first place in the NL East. Won, what, seven of their last eight games? Um, the offense has looked phenomenal, as a, a word that you like to use, Adam, all the time. You know, especially Jorge Soler has just been fantastic. I mean, he's hitting 314, 429, 600 in a Braves uniform with a 1029 OPS. He's already been worth 0.2 wins in 10 games. He's also hit three home runs and drawn seven walks. This guy's doing everything. He's a big boy. Yeah, he's huge. I went to the game on Saturday um, against Washington, and we were in right field. And, man, he's a specimen. He almost makes uh, Jason Hayward look like a child. Mm. Like like the pure, you know, days of Jay Hay, like in 2012, when he was just like, looked like he was carved out of marble. Looks looks like nothing compared to Jorge Soler. Uh, it's, It's ridiculous how... Just tall. He's like 6'4", six, 6'5", six, or something. He's got to be 260 of just pure muscle. Yeah, he, he's been he's been great. I mean, I, I had decent expectations for him coming in just because he hit 46 home runs two years ago. I know, I know you, were, you were looking at what he's done so far this year, but like we said, he was hot his last couple weeks with the Royals, and he has taken that in. And I, the thing I love about all these guys um, – I'd still say Duvall has been the most valuable of everyone I would brought in so far. Even though his slash line doesn't look nearly as good as Solaire, he's played great defense. He's just clutch, And, and too, he's man. hit three home runs and 10 RBI. Yeah, in clutch situations in St. Yes. Louis against Cincinnati, he did it. It's like he he kind of brings back a little bit of that swagger that we had last year where 
you know, this year, if we're down three after the sixth inning, it's like, eh, maybe we'll get him tomorrow. I don't know. Whereas last year, that was never the case. Mm-hmm. Um, but all these guys put together good at-bats. I feel like not only is the lineup so much deeper, having Jock hitting seventh, Duvall hitting sixth, and now we're just seeing what it's going to be like with Darno back as well. But they put good at-bats together, which has been great to see. It, I mean, perfect example, the game against St. Louis where we had, what, five straight walks? I think so, yeah. Six straight walks? Something like that, yeah. To just, like, blow that game open? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not happening a couple months ago. No, it also looked like a team that was very comfortable with a lot of confidence. When we were actually having the at-bats where there were these, you know, the game-tying walk and the and the walk to uh, take the lead, you know, th- those were seven, eight-pitch at-bats. Those, those are great. You, you don't see that this year from this Braves team. Yeah, it's it's certainly been refreshing um, to watch. I mean, I I look forward to every game again. Like, it feels like last year. Yeah. And I, I think part of it is now that, I mean, the Mets and Phillies really screwed up by keeping us in this thing. Like, we should be buried right now, but we're fortunate to be in the worst division in the league. So let's take advantage of it. And now, now we're, we've got, like, 50 games left. So it's like kind of where we were last year in the 60-game season where every game means so much. And uh, it's just been must-watch baseball right now, and it's it's been pretty awesome to see them having fun again and stringing some wins together um, despite this last game against Cincinnati to hear – despite this last game against Cincinnati today, we're just getting pummeled. But, you know, that we'll take two out of three. All day. Oh yeah, particularly with that the late game heroics of Ozzy Albies last night. The offense continuing to do excellent work. You know they put up eight runs, had a five zero lead before the, the the pitching staff collectively buggered that one, including Will Smith. Um, in and particular, keep in mind with this depth we're talking about now, we still haven't seen Rosario, who's the outfielder we got from Cleveland yet. He is now in AAA, I believe. He started his rehab. So he could be another great addition. And it's, I mean, it's, the bench is so much deeper now. It's so great not having Panda come up and strike out. And then, or if he gets on somehow, have to be pinch run for. That's been awesome. Well, yeah, what I love too is like having Almonte come up there as like one of your go to pinch hitters or Peterson when he's not playing. I wish Peterson was playing every day, even though I, I, I get that there's splits and whatnot. But I, I think he puts up too many good at bats to, to be a platoon player. Which is kind of how he's been used a little more recently, which I don't really like. I mean, I think you got to get his stick in there every day. With your boy Almonte, though, I think he's going to be the odd man out when Rosario comes back. I would agree because Heredia, like people, Braves Twitter loves to complain. Everyone knows this. Anytime Heredia's gotten a start in center against a lefty, people just freak out and. Every game that he started since we made all these additions, he's had a big moment. Oh, yeah. He had a big two-run homer last night. I would agree that it's not the right move because I think Peterson's a better player, but he's not a, sh- a schmuck or anything. It's not like you're putting uh, Jose Constanza when he forgot how to hit out there or anything like that. Like he's He can more than hold his own. He, he hits lefties well. I think he was like 7 of 10 in his career against the guy starting last night. Right. Yeah, you, right. you go with him. Sure. Uh, I, just, I just think Jock overall will give you more. Um, than than Guillermo will. That's all. Oh yeah, I mean if, if you're putting each of them out there every day, hundred percent. Yeah, it just seems like they're splitting time a little more evenly recently, which I'm not as big a fan of. But he, you know, Guillermo's like I said, he's held his own, so it's been okay. Yeah, I just think Jock puts together the best at bats on the team, and I want more of that in the, in the lineup every day. Sure. Um, but it's not something to get up in arms about. I don't think. Um, 
All right, Adam, let's talk about the, the elephant in the room. I want, normally when this happens, when we have a big argument, I go into a big profanity-laced tirade and, and rile, rile you up, rile me up. I'm um, sure rile up the users when they hear it. And then it gets to a point where maybe I'll put out some good facts, but it's kind of lost in a cavalcade of bullshit. So I want to hear your opinion on Will Smith first in terms of what he's been doing recently and um, why you are for Will Smith, which is what I, what I assume you're going to say. Okay. No, th- this, this is excellent, Graham. And, and you're going you're gonna to give me my – let me have the stage for a couple minutes. The floor is yours, Senator. A couple of minutes straight, Graham, okay? No interruptions, Graham. I'm, I'm going to go through my pitch. I've got some stats, too. Oh, okay. I came prepared today. And I will preface all of this by saying Will Smith doesn't need to be my closer. I am completely fine with mixing it up and possibly trying out Rodriguez as the closer. But all that being said, and I think I think Graham, you, you kind of are Braves Twitter, like in real form. To an extent, you, you, you tend to overreact. I, I just listened to our Braves preview just to try to get some uh, some stuff to bring back on you for this segment today. And the overreactions you had on so many players that were just dead wrong is hilarious to listen back to. Your, your boy... I can't even remember. <laughs> Jacob Webb. You oh, acted yeah. like he was a... All right. <laughs> listen to the preview. You made Jacob Webb and Grant Dalton out to be the next great saviors. You predicted that A.J. Minter should be the closer if Will Smith should struggle at all. Can I, can I say one thing in my defense about Jacob Webb? He pitched great last year. Right. If we're going strictly off the stats of last year, he seemed like he was going to be a viable piece. And he was part of the bullpen for a while. He just didn't have it this year for whatever reason. Well, keep in mind— Grant Dayton, I didn't know what I was talking about, I guess. But, and we've, yeah. we've talked about Luke Jackson— a right. lot. Obviously. Yeah, we don't need to run that in the ground. Listening to that rant was hilarious. But things change year over year sometimes. Things change. So what I will say is we need to be better than being these reactionary fans and look at the numbers as a whole and realize that if Will Smith is in the seventh or the eighth inning, these home runs could still happen, and they're just as important as if they're in the ninth inning. And also keep in mind, his numbers are in line with other closers, such as Kenley Jansen, Araldis Chapman, and the great Mark Melanson. And I will say that two or three of those guys are not elite closers, so I don't really care. The only elite closers really out there, you're talking about Josh Hader. Craig Kimbrell. Liam Hendricks. Kimbrell this year. Liam Hendricks. Iglesias. Jake McGee. And Ryan Presley. They all have sub-three ERAs and whips that are below one. Those are shutdown closers. So there are some shutdown closers out there. Yeah, and, and he is not one of them. Okay, is Richard Rodriguez one of them? He's had he's much better candidate than, than Will Smith is right now in terms of what he's done this year. I, th- I thought I had the floor, Graham. Sorry, but you just asked me a question, so what do you want me to do? Just sit no, there? The, I'm not asking you oh, questions. Oh, I see. Yeah, I'm asking the universe questions. Okay. So when we look at Will Smith versus Richard Rodriguez, I will agree that Rodriguez's numbers this year are better. Not crazy out, out of this world better. So the stats Graham likes, looking at war, we got Will Smith. He's a 1.3 war versus Rodriguez, 1.9. I think record matters a little bit as a closer because Will Smith has six losses, which is pretty atrocious for a reliever because those are all games that are in his hands. Uh, 386 ERA to Rodriguez is 238. 
Uh, Will Smith gets a lot more strikeouts, which I was a little surprised by. Um, Rodriguez, it's kind of like Mark Melantham that he's pitching to contact. He he has 36 Ks and 45 innings versus Will Smith's 55 and 46. Uh, When we look at whip, this is where it gets big time in Rodriguez's favor. He's a .794 whip versus Will Smith 1.136. So that's where we see with Will Smith the eyeball test where it's like, man, there's a lot of runners on base all the time. Hit batters, walks, and just them hitting the ball hard as hell off of them. So that does happen a lot. Uh, Home runs, he's 1.2 home runs per nine innings. That's Will Smith versus Rodriguez, who hasn't given up much at all, 0.4 home runs per nine innings. So all that being said, yes, obviously Rodriguez's numbers are better, but I've also loved the way Rodriguez has been utilized so far this year. Uh, I think that was the Cardinals series. We brought him in in the fifth inning for the heart of their order. He was shut down. Like he's come in in big situations, and the fact that we can mix and match him I think is great. So with Will Smith, I would say let's give him another week. Now's not the time. And the big news that came out from last night was video of Joey Votto, who obviously hit the the huge two-run home run off of him, showing that Will Smith is tipping his pitches, which is significant. So looking back on the video, for his slider, Will Smith, his shoulders stay more square to the plate. Versus a fastball, he torques his lower half more towards second base, causing his front shoulder to point more to first base. So that's why, I mean, Joey Votto, the, that home run, he was just so ready for a slider on the first pitch. And the, the one he gave up against Washington to that guy getting his first ever home run, that guy looked so ready for that pitch as well. It was shocking. So I think let's see what he does. I don't think putting Rodriguez there is going to fix this problem. And it's still, like I said, 85.2% of saves he has converted so far this year, which is on par with most closers in the league, except for the elite of the elite, which I don't think we have the elite of the elite either way. So that's uh, that's that's my pitch diagram. Pretty stat-based. I'm not saying that Will Smith is God by any means. I get stressed out every time he pitches as well. But I don't think we need to freak out over what has essentially been a bad week for him. I think all your points are fair, Adam. It's very rational, uh, unlike what I was going to do. But well, I and I will say also appreciate you thinking about how Rich Rodriguez is being used because I agree when he came in to shut down the heart of St. Louis's order in like the fifth inning or whatever that was. That's not a move that Snicker would normally make, putting a a guy like that in that situation, which I have been longing for for like my entire life that a Braves manager would do that. So I, I love seeing it. Yeah. So I won't I won't talk about the stuff you've already talked about, but I will say his last ten appearances, like they made me lose almost total confidence in, in, in the guy. Uh, nine hits in his last 10 appearances, five runs given up. He's only had a clean inning twice in those 10 appearances. Um, and he sucked at home all season. He's a 4.97 ERA at home. He's been awful. That's interesting. Um, I don't know what's going on there. I think his ERA weighs like 2.12 or something like that. So that's really odd. A 3.65 FIP for a reliever isn't great either. So... Yeah, we've established he's, he's not elite. Um, what concerns me the most is continuing to go to a guy who is struggling uh, right now and has struggled for the last, you know, couple weeks. 
And like, has he done enough the whole season to really keep this job? Other than I know he's converted a ton of his saves, but six losses would easily could have been seven now. Um, you know, potentially could have happened last night. He's also responsible on his own for six of the losses that the bullpen has given up this year. And I think we've blown 26 games as a bullpen. So, shit, I'd give Tyler Matzik a shot at this point. You see the gas he was throwing last night and pretty much ever since he he figured out how to overcome the loss of spider attack. I mean, this guy's been unbelievable. I, w- I would just hesitate to mess with what he's got going on, though, because he's been – Matzik has not been good this year until the last – few weeks really that's fair like, if you look at it so you, you don't want to mess with his head there he just he's like one of the few guys on in, in the in the bullpen that has that kind of closer stuff though where he's throwing in the high 90s and he's just blowing it by people that you just the prototypical stuff you love to see i get what you're saying though and you probably don't want to move him i would give rodriguez the the shot at the closer job even though i i do agree i love his versatility but i want someone at the at the end of the game i can rely on who's not going to give up one or two hits and then you just wondered well jesus christ are we going to get out of this or not so, so say that Snit does do that. Yeah. I think it's – I don't think he's going to do it right now, but I think it's possible he does it down the road. If he blows it another game in the next week, he, so, so it's going to happen. Then what happens when Rodriguez blows a couple saves? Is I mean, you've got to give Rodriguez a chance. But do you really think the fans will give him a chance? Yes. I don't believe that for a second. Like, if he blows his first two games. I could give a shit what the fans think. If he blows his first two games, fine. If he blows, like, three or four in a row, then, yeah, you got to make a move. But I think he's proven enough at this point in his short stint and when he was in Pittsburgh. And you also mentioned how the whip numbers, the ERA numbers, are just so drastically in favor of Rich Rodriguez, and he has experience closing. I don't see what, what, you know, other than the versatility of Rodriguez, which is another positive for him, what the detriment is of putting Rodriguez into into that into that role. I think uh, we just need to get away from like let's be Tampa Bay. Let's get away from this is our closer. I'd, I'd perform closer by committee kind yeah, of thing. I think that that would be better for us at this point. The problem with that is is that I can't think of any other guy of like the only other two people I could even remotely rely on in that role other than Rodriguez or Smith is Luke Jackson. And I guess Matzik over the last, you know, he's only been, like you're saying, he's only been really good the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it really sucks that Chris Martin has regressed so much to where he's just not, like he would have been the second closer, no oh, doubt, yeah. last year before he got hurt this year. He just hasn't been the same, so I'm hoping he comes around. Yeah, he's just laying him fat. You know, the other thing with Will Smith is that even the even the outs are really hard hit right now. There's a line drive at Dansby last night. Another ball hit really hard at Freddie. Um, he's getting bailed out also by his defense. He's not doing anything to induce weak contact right now. So I would like to see a, a move made based off the evidence over the last, you know, two and a half to three weeks. Last thing I'll say on it, Graham, is I believe that Snit's patience with players has proven wise versus the general overreaction that fans always push for. But haven't you gotten enough, seen enough at this point to be like, this guy's not right? If he's tipping his pitches and he's just getting slaughtered out there. Well, him tipping his pitches, that's as much of an issue on the Braves organization. And another big, I was reading about this as well today. Like a lot of that is, think of how many catchers we've recycled through. We've had seven different catchers. And that's a big job of a catcher is knowing the staff and being able to notice things like that. So why is he struggling more than anybody else then right now? You you just... As a veteran, you just like don't notice things like that. Like you, you get in a routine, and like you need someone to point that out to you. I'll just say, don't write off Will Smith. Maybe him going to the eighth inning role is what he needs. I don't know, but 
earlier this year, a lot of people wanted to write off Dansby. A lot of people wanted to write off Austin Riley, and Snit stayed with them, and now look where they are. So, But there's for that, though, and I, I agree with that, but it's also like bullpen versus a position player. It's like position player has more time to figure things out because they're and, – and they get more opportunities to figure things out. Bullpen guys have such a tight leash, and that is unfortunate, but it's just the way it is. We just can't keep seeing this uh, night in and night out with him. Speaking of struggling bullpen pieces, I haven't given up on A.J. Minter yet. I think he's going to come back. I mean, he's back now. He had his first appearance. I think he's going to be a menace down the stretch. I hope so. I hope he can. Re- he, it looks like he regained that form in Gwinnett. I think he closed six of six opportunities and was just lights out. I don't think he gave up a run or maybe gave up a couple, but like apparently it was just stark contrast from what what he has been up in the big leagues this year. So I'm glad he got some action today in a you know not a high leverage scenario so that he could just you know relax out there and and do his thing. And we still got some more arms coming back, Graham. Here, here's my roster predictions for where we're going to slot these guys in. Mm. I think Kyle Muller's done. Yeah. In the rotation for sure. I think that's an easy one. Ian Anderson slots in for him. And Waskar is being stretched out to start. I think that Tukey has done enough for him to warrant Tukey getting another couple starts. Um, maybe we'll go give Waskar a couple starts as like the sixth man, see how he does. But I think Josh Tomlin's time with his team is up. Tomlin, as as much as I don't really believe in him that much, he's great for things like today where the game's average. I know he came in and just got absolutely shelled today. But he, he's a great mop-up guy. Who's going to be your mop-up guy with him out? Who can pitch three or four innings? I don't want to use Waskar in a mop-up role. Well, you got... Jesse Chavez that can pitch multiple innings. I mean, he he's been he's been awesome in high leverage situations as well. But he's another guy I don't want to use in a mop up role. I don't, I don't think it's a bad idea to like. I mean, Wasker can throw multiple innings. Chavez can throw multiple innings. I don't think it's a bad thing to have too many good arms in the bullpen. No, but for a mop up thing, I would hate to blow, you know, Wasker's arm on, on that, or even Jesse Chavez. I'd rather Jesse Chavez, I guess, but I'd rather not, uh, you know lose either of them to that role but i don't think tomlin's even pitched in like two weeks so we're keep, yeah because he's we're, great he's we're, we're keeping him around to throw three and two-thirds innings and give up five runs yeah because the, the, game. The, the game was already over you don't want to waste your quality arms on a bullshit game where the game's out of reach already no i i get that but i i think we wouldn't have to use all of our high leverage guys every single close game if we had more quality arms in the bullpen that's another way of looking at it I just always like to have the mop-up guy. <laughs> I, I I get it, but you're 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 saying let's put an inferior pitcher in there over a better pitcher just for the times we're getting killed. Yeah, or the times we're killing somebody. It happens. Sure. Yeah, like I don't want to see Matzik pitching in an eight-one game anymore. I hate that shit. It drives me nuts. But yeah, either way, those guys are coming back, and there will be roles for those guys. It just it's going to depend. I think you're on the money though with Mueller saying that he's. Like his last couple few appearances haven't been great. Well, and he can he can come back in September. Sure. Remember that rosters expand, so oh. some of these younger guys can yeah. be your mop up guy. Yeah. Only only three. I think it's only three extra spots now. I think it's the twenty eight man roster uh, in September now. I and can't, I can't wait till they give one of those spots to Kevin Smith. Oh yeah, Adam. It's the end of the Kevin Smith era. How do you feel? Well, until September when he probably gets called back up to be the third catcher. But for all intents and purposes, it's the, it's the end. Yeah, I, I feel pretty pretty okay with it, Graham. 
He was a bit of a black hole offensively. His defense wasn't great. But he had the lowest ERA of all seven catchers. Like ERA in terms of the, what pitchers have done pitching to him. It counts for something, I guess. So maybe it does. We'll, we shall see if the pitching turns to shit with a vote and Darno. Then maybe we've got to bring Smith <laughs> back. Maybe, maybe he's the answer. Maybe. Maybe he's the reason that the bullpen got better. It's just like you need a mop-up pitcher. You need, you need a shitty-hitting catcher as well. Perhaps. It's also the end of the Shane Green era. A guy who we both really liked when he came over here a couple of years ago is just I think what sucks for him, even though he had a horrible stint with the Braves this year, he had no real spring training. He was just—I mean, he was not. It was clear that his his stuff was not in game shape for throughout the entire. You thought like, okay, you're just kicking off the rust for the first couple of appearances, then became a pattern, and he was he was pathetic every time he went out there. Yeah, eighteen appearances is plenty of appearances to get get it figured out. Yeah, and they gave him plenty of. Plenty of lead time to, to get his shit together. He just he just couldn't do it. It also makes me realize why no other team offered him a contract. Maybe. But I also think he was at a disadvantage of not having a real spring training. Well, I mean, that's on him for trying to hold out for too much money. And sure. now his uh, stock has completely plummeted. Oh, yeah. He's, he's, he's worthless at the moment. I don't think anyone else has even picked him up yet. Hopefully he can bounce back. But, um, you know, probably won't be with Atlanta. Max Freed Adams looked a lot better recently. Four of his last five starts have been really good, classic Freed stuff. A lot of six, seven innings with only a couple hits and maybe a run or two scattered about, seven or eight strikeouts. He only had uh, his most recent outing against the Phillies was his only really bad, bad start. And he had been scuffling a little bit, but it looks like he started to establish himself as the old dominant Max Freed we're used to seeing. Yeah, he's got to be the staff ace again. I mean, Morton's that steady presence, but like Freed is, Freed is our bulldog. Yeah, he is our guy. Um, not to mention what he's been been doing pitching, but like his offense is just sick. The guy's hitting what three fourteen, something like that. It's like a nine eighty OPS or something crazy like that. He's probably our second best pinch hitter right now, arguably. I think it was hilarious when uh, we were at the game on Saturday and some dude and we we missed who was pinch hitting. I was like, who the fuck is this pinch hitting? Of course, there's like scoreboards everywhere. I wasn't looking, and. Um, just laces this double into the gap. I was like, Jesus, what a hit. Who the hell? Who's that, that little skinny guy out there? And I looked a little closer. I was like, holy shit, it's Max Freed. Yeah, I'm sure that's a scary thing for Snit to do, to put, like, your number one pitcher but he's been doing on the bench. He's been doing it for years. Remember, he was, like, the default pinch runner yeah, for a while. Yeah, I, I don't think it's something you, you want to do often. No. But uh, if, you, if you get to a desperation mode, like, I'm sure he was going to pinch it last night if that game went on much longer. Than 11 innings. Probably. The bench was completely gone at that point. Yeah. So, yeah, he, he, he's been awesome. He's definitely uh, getting into form. Yeah, he looks he's looking really good on, on both sides, and it's such a bonus for him to have be an offensive presence. He's always been a good hitting pitcher, but this year it's really taken off. Mm-hmm. It's um, almost a bummer that we're going to get the DH back next year. I'd much rather have the DH. We need Max just to be that, that dominant starter. I mean, actually, you're exactly right. He's the bulldog. Think of all the people that we've had that we've been talking about for years, like Soroka um, and Anderson and other guys like that. It's clear that Max Fried's the guy. He's done it long enough at a high level, He's the, and I hope he continues to, to do it, but he's the guy I have the most faith in of any prospect. And it's tough to throw Soroka in there with the Achilles thing. It's not his fault. But it's just like who knows what's going to happen with, with, with Mike at this point, if he'll ever even throw another pitch again. Yeah, I mean – Two Achilles tears at this point. 
But I, I still believe in Ian Anderson a lot. I think he's going to come back, be a big shot in the arm. Oh, yeah. He's been my boy um, for a while, so I agree with that. How about your boy Smiley? He's been solid. He looked good the other day. Yeah, he's been solid. That was one of the better outings he's had in a while. He'd been doing a lot of those four and a thirds, four and two thirds outings that were just kind of bullshit, and then he really came up strong. Six really solid innings. Six innings, two hits against a great Cincinnati Reds. Yeah, against uh, a team that's been surging. Yeah. Like, those guys are in the wild card hunt now. Mm-hmm. It was good that we took two or three from them. I think that's that's, that's big for the Braves. Cause we've been playing a lot of teams that, since that Brewers series, have been playing shitty teams for the most part. So it's been as good to take care of business against Cincinnati. Even though you got your brains beaten in a day, you still win the series. And fortunately, after this series, we go back to Washington. We go to Pittsburgh, I believe. Mm-hmm. Do we have the we have another oh the Marlins and the Orioles and the Orioles? It's like yeah. come on, but but then we get, I think towards the end of August, early September, we've got. The Giants, mm-hmm. the Dodgers, and the Yankees. Yeah, that'll so be tough. Let's let's keep stacking these wins now. Yeah, and um, you know, hope people take care of the Phillies and Mets for us. How excited were you when we got over five hundred? That was a big day. <laughs> I was I was really excited, and you know, it was also breaking that ridiculous win loss win loss win loss streak that went on for like two and a half weeks of our life. Yeah, so that was exciting. I. I I'm like with with what Snit was saying about it. Where let's just get a keep going above 500, so we don't even have to look at it anymore. It's it's in the rearview mirror. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. And I think things are looking good for the Braves schedule wise, and as you mentioned, but not just for their schedule, but for their opponent's schedule. Um, particularly the Mets. The Mets are sliding. I mean, they were up four and a half games on the Phillies too, and the Phillies overtook them with a sweep. I think they lost like eight games in a row or something. And they did beat the Nationals today. But I think whether or not the Mets will be a factor down the stretch is going to be decided over the next two weeks because they have five games against the Dodgers and six against the Giants, two of the best teams in baseball. If they somehow come out of that on top, then you know that they're going to be here you know, to stay until the end. But they could easily be buried, and that could be the end of the Mets this year. So they're, they're coming up against it. They've really shit themselves. Well, that, I mean, DeGrom being out is obviously huge. For them, he's been out for a few weeks now. Yeah. I don't know if he's coming back anytime soon. And then, I mean, they trade for Javi Baez, who, like, yeah, he's a good player, but he strikes out, like, 50% of the time. And he's had a rough season. Even though he's still hit, like, 25 home runs, he's had a rough year. Nothing made me happier than seeing that he was 0 for 5 with five strikeouts. Yeah. Um, and Him and Lindor have been so – especially Lindor has been so underwhelming. I always thought of Frankie Lindor as, like, the best shortstop in the game, and he's just sucked ever since he came to Cleveland. And they gave him, like, a 10-year deal. I feel like That's not to say he can't get better. He's still only, like, 27, but Jesus, God, he was amazing in Cleveland. Now he's, he's just shit the bed in New York. It's like classic New York, like, spend a bunch of money in free agency. Like, uh, was that in the 90s, early 2000s, where they go out and get, like, Mo Vaughn when he's clearly... Over the hill. Yeah. <laughs> but Frankie Lindor wasn't over the hill, though. He had a bad 2020, but I think we can agree his last four years before that were pretty outstanding. So it's just it's interesting to see him just continue to, to, to fall from grace a little bit, particularly on a rival. So the Phillies also have a really easy schedule, though, like kind of like ours where they don't play a lot of contending teams. The last series of the year is against Philly, which is almost like a full circle effect from the beginning. Opened with Philly, closed with Philly. So here's where I think we have the advantage over Philly, despite the fact that, you know, we're neck and neck now. I think we have a more balanced team. I think we have a better... Overall rotation, better bullpen, better defense. The Phillies, the reason they've gotten into first is because they've led baseball in home runs and walk rates since July 1st and also have the second-best slugging percentage in baseball. But other than that, I'm not really too concerned. Yes, they got Kyle Gibson, and Kennedy strengthens their bullpen from Texas. 
Yes, they have Wheeler. Nola's kind of had a shaky year. But I think we have a better overall rotation than them. I think our bullpen's also better than them. Their bullpen's still an abject disaster, I think. I think that will win out over the season. Unless we have some horrible health uh, luck, which we have had this year. But if that, as long as we just hold strong on paper, we have the better team. Do we play them much more head-to-head? Not really. Mm-hmm. I think I think there's two more series, maybe. And the last series, of course, as I mentioned, is, is, is the end. And that, that could very well decide it. I think it's still going to be close, but I think we have the better team is all I'm trying to say. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, Bryce Harper's trying to do MVP things, but we got a couple MVP candidates of our own still, despite having Acuna out. Sure. Isn't Hoskins – and Hoskins get hurt? Uh, yeah, but he's back ne- early next week. Fuck. Yeah, so it was oh. just like a strained groin. Right. Nothing nothing too serious. Okay. But, yeah, I think Philly's the team to watch. I, I mean, I think it's a two-team race now. Yeah. Uh, we, we I mean, we've been way wrong in the past, so I wouldn't be surprised if the Mets just, like, somehow catch fire. But Right. But I just think who they have to play those next 12 games is going to be brutal for them. Yeah, versus what we got going on. Yeah. So uh, we're in a pretty good position right now. Very fortunate position to be. But, uh, you know, I'm grateful. And... Um, yeah, let's get. Let, I can't wait to see Darno back in full time. He looked great, man. His first game back, like mm-hmm. he didn't miss a beat. He had that one pass ball where he looked kind of bad on, but other than that, he looked he had like looked, three hard hit balls. Oh yeah, like, like offensively, he looked good. Yeah. I think he still called a good game it's, too. It's gonna it's gonna change everything um, for our lineup and for our pitchers as well. Just having that familiar face back there again, for sure. So, and it just makes like seeing Darno hit seventh. Even I know he hadn't had a good year offensively this year so far, but still, it's just like I mean, you think about what he did last year, and if you can get that production from him, and he's hitting sixth, seventh, whatever, it just makes your lineup so much better. He had as many RBIs before he got hurt as our entire catching core has had since he left. I think we've had the worst catching core in baseball since he's been out. Yeah, he had like thirteen RBIs, and that's more RBIs than we've gotten out of the position since like mid-May. Yeah, so it's it's gonna uh, and and that was him hitting poorly, so it's gonna change things. Yeah, well, Adam, I think that wraps up our Braves segment. So, Adam, let's talk some Hawks. There's been some more moves since we last talked Hawks, Graham. Yes. So since we last talked, so we had already said that we signed uh, Delon Wright, the backup point guard, which is a very solid move. Great move. So even since then, we still re-signed. Sweet Lou Williams. One-year, $5 million deal. Yes, and we signed Gorgie Dang to be the backup center. Yes. Uh, so this guy's 6'10", 252, eight-year vet. He averaged 14 and a half minutes per game, 6.8 points, shot 52% from the field, and here's the kicker, 42.9% from three, an 86% free throw shooter. To have a guy like that, that with that size that can space the court, it's just going to be a beautiful substitute for um capella he's a guy i have at least some familiarity with he went to louisville um so saw plenty of him in acc basketball as a carolina fan just a solid all-around player and a very intimidating presence in the post he's another guy that can come in and help out on the interior particularly rebounding the basketball and the fact that he's a good he he was a great free throw shooter in college that's continued his three-point shooting has improved drastically since coming to the nba and i think he's going to get more more of a chance to shine this year with Akongwu being out for as long as he has been. He's going to be the de facto backup guy to both John and Clint and um, definitely makes our front court more formidable. And hopefully, I also think, even though, even if Okongwu was going to be healthy, 
this move probably would have been made to just solidify that front court because we got bullied by Milwaukee in yeah. the Eastern Conference Finals. We need more size down there. So I was, I'm a big fan of this signing. Yeah, I mean, it's just crazy how, like, Schlenk is just crushing it. And then we've got Summer League going on as well. And both of the rooks look great. I mean, it's Summer League. You can't get ahead yeah, of yourself. don't get too excited. But, yeah, they look really good. Sharif Cooper looks like he's been playing basketball for about 30 years. Um, like, he came out of the womb and was just uh, – just making dishes and shooting fadeaway threes to win basketball games. He looks so comfortable out there. As, as our second rounder, a two-way player, and then like Johnson, I, I hadn't really watched a ton of his stuff, I guess, and I watched all of his summer league highlights. And, like, I mean, he just – the guy looks like a top ten pick. Athletically, the way he moves, um, mm-hmm. it's really impressive. Great finisher at the rim. Oh, yeah. He's always been great. Like, I remember just watching a couple of Duke games earlier in the year last year. I was like, fuck, this kid can just – once he gets the ball in his hands in transition, it's over. But yeah, It's, it's not, like LeBron. It's not just like – he's not a guy that has to dunk it. Like, he, he's he got touch around the rim as well. Yes, and that's quite hyperbolic saying it's like LeBron. But it reminds me of that burst LeBron has when he when he gets going or, or Giannis. Obviously not as good, but the, the foot the, – the first step is so damn fast. Like, if you don't stop him on that first step, it's over. Yeah. He's going to just destroy you. Yeah, and, and both of these guys are just, like, bonuses. It's like, yeah. we, we don't need them this year. No. But they could step up. Let me, let me go through this roster, Graham. So right now, we have one roster spot available still. So And Schlink said they are probably going to make a move for, to, to, to fill that roster spot. So. so there's rumors about Paul Millsap. Love Paul, Paul Millsap coming back. That would be, I'm wearing my Paul Millsap shirt today, there man. We go. Yeah, no, I, I love that idea just because I do think we still will need more depth. Um even with signing Ding, I think we'll need another big body down there. Yeah. Uh, but right now, so starters, we got Trey, DeAndre, Bogdan, Capella, Collins. So running it back, but with Hunter, help, healthy, hopefully. And then we got Sharif Cooper. Is He's the one of the two-way guys right now, so he'll be back and forth from College Park in Atlanta. Uh, Dang. Gallinari, we did bring back Solomon Hill, which I'm, I'm fine with. Veterans minimum. Uh, Herter, Jalen Johnson, Okongu when he gets back, Reddish, Lou Williams, and Dellen Wright. Like, it's ridiculous, this depth. Love it. Like, I don't, I don't, there's no holes there. Team is stacked. Good mix of, of, of veterans and, and young players, and, and even the veterans are still kind of young. Even Capella's still in his, his late 20s, so... Really like where the team's at. A guy like Paul Millsap will give you so much in the locker room. Like Lou's going to give you – we know Lou's given us a lot, but having a guy that the front court can also look up to, not to say that the front court guys can't look up to Lou, but having a guy that plays the position that the front front court guys play, like Paul, who's done it at a high level in this league before, will just go so – you know, it will help us on the court, but it will help us even more often. I, I really hope we make that move. Yeah, I'd, I'd prefer to do that over like – giving it to, like, Mays, who was really – I mean, Mays showed some potential last sure. year, but bringing in Cooper, we don't really – No, I think Mays the ceiling well. is much higher on, on Cooper than it is on, on Mays. So, yeah, bring Paul home, Schlank, and then call it an offseason. Yeah, he, he wants to come here. But, um, yeah, it's awesome. This is starting to crank up again already. What do you think about Reddish not going to Summer League? Well, I mean, looking at the rosters that at, are at Summer League, he doesn't need to be there. Like, you know, since he, he got his time in the playoffs. It still he, isn't that much time. There's only like three games. But he feels comfortable on the court again. That's good. But, I mean, I think it would been good for him to go and just play like three games or something. Just just to get a little more just get a little more time back back on the court. 
it seems, I mean, you look at the Hawks roster that's there, and it's like Cooper, who's probably going to be in College Park most of the year. Jalen Johnson, who I don't know how much he's going to play. And then Mays, who's not even on the team, and then just a bunch of scrubs. I don't see what Cam Reddish being there and playing it like playing heads and above all these other like rookies and undrafted guys that aren't even going to be the league. I don't, I don't know what value that does for him. I just think it gives him more time on the court and, and a live action scenario. That's all. I know he would easily be the best player there, but he hasn't been consistent, man. He needs to keep developing those skills. And even though, yes, it would be against people he's, you know, much better than, I think it would just help him. Just just see more more action on the court. I don't know. I, I just feel like it's it's not like going to come back and be like a huge issue. I don't think. I just think it would be it'd be better for his development. He's missed so much time. Maybe. Maybe he's not completely confident with how he's healed yet as well. And I think he also just thinks it's bullshit that he would have to go do that after what he did in the Eastern Conference Finals, which is fair. I mean, he did great, but it's just like he hasn't done that consistently at all. It's interesting that that was just like his option. You can go or not go. Right, yeah. The team seemed completely cool with him not going. I doubt. I I don't think it's an issue at all. No, yeah, I doubt it's going to come back and we're going to be sitting here even if Cam struggles early on in the year and we should be like, well, fuck, if he had just played in five summer league games, he'd be putting up a double-double every night. Should have traded him. Yeah. Well, we had the chance. No. Um, yeah, I think that, that covers the Hawks. Now, Adam, we turn our attention to our, our, our friends, the Atlanta Falcons, who have, in the midst of training camp, playing the Tennessee Titans tomorrow night in the first game of the preseason. And the new season is upon us, my friend. How are you feeling? I'm looking at my Falcons notes so far, and I wrote Falcons, and then I have the bullet point there, and it's blank. That's about where I'm at, too. (laughs) (laughs) So here's here's what I want from the Falcons this year, I've decided. I love the excitement of week one, week two, sitting down to watch those games, seeing what, you know, this roster, you hear about all these names in training camp, all the rookies, free agency bring in, but you don't know what you got. And I love the excitement of maybe we're going to be good. Yeah, I agree. It would be nice to get some just early season momentum, even if it doesn't mean anything. I think it would just go a long way for this new regime just to start off with some positivity. I mean, just think about the last three years or whatever it's been. When you think of the Falcons, it's just pure apathy, and I'm over that. Like, even if this team only wins five or six games, which is what I think they're going to do, realistically, just because of this this terrible on-paper defense, um, I would love to just see them compete early on the season. I don't want to see this midseason turnaround and just be like, oh, man, if we'd only play like this, we'd be we'd be in the playoffs maybe. It's like I hate that stuff. Um, you know, particularly on offense, there's enough talent here to compete and make the season interesting. So, you know, let's get off to a damn good start, please. Is that really too much to ask, Adam? I don't think so. No, you know, just play competitive football games, not have historically bad losses that the rest of the country laughs at. You know, know how to recover an onside kick. That's That's, that's a big one fundamentals Graham fundamentals the thing I also love hearing is is just more of this no bullshit no holds bar attitude that the Smith regime has um hearing the players talking we talked last time about how Grady was saying there's no slogans or any bullshit like that we continuously are seeing in press conferences Arthur Smith is blunt and to the point there's no you know there's no Dan Quinn kumbaya of like oh no we're just gonna see how these guys develop he's like no People are going to get out there and they're going to get a job or they're not. Leave me alone. And I'm like, I love that. It's, it's totally, it's so, it's what this organization needs after three years of utter incompetence. Speaking of Dan Quinn, 
Did you watch the first episode of Hard Knocks? I have not watched They're it yet. Dallas. Uh, did you watch it? I did. Dan Quinn is not who I thought he was. Oh, they do like behind. Did they go in depth with him or something? Well, you. I mean, he gets a lot of screen time. Yeah. So, part of my take calls him Dan Fucking Quinn. This guy's f bombing more than you in a like huge rant during a podcast. Impossible. It's unbelievable. It's like. So you realize the guy at the camera, like at the press conference, is completely different from what he really was as a coach. Or do you think he's just turned over a new leaf going and becoming a defensive coordinator again? You, you don't cuss that naturally. and like just It was just flowing. You, you don't just learn how to do that. Okay, is, does that make you scared then? That it's, does it seem like, from what you saw, that Dan Quinn and Arthur Smith are kind of on the same wavelength in terms of how they're approaching things? This year? What do you mean, like Dan Quinn? and In terms of their mentality? Oh, no. Dan, Dan Quinn, he's still like a loser. He's wearing a backwards hat the entire okay. time. Um, players didn't seem to care too much about what he said. Oh, But okay. I, I was just very surprised. I was like, huh, never pictured him as a big uh, cuss word guy. So he's just screaming into the void, so to speak. Kind of. I mean, maybe he'll do all right. Who knows? It's probably better for him to be a coordinator than a head coach. Definitely. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I love Arthur Smith's demeanor in front of the press. Um, and he's obviously gained the veteran players such as Grady's respect. So it's yeah. a good sign. There's, we'll, we'll get into it over the next couple of weeks, but there's certainly a lot of interesting position battles building up. Uh, my biggest concern early on is what you've been squawking about forever, the O-line. The O-line is in a heap of trouble right now with uh, McGarry, he just got back to practice this past week. We don't. There, there's like three positions up for grabs on the O line, which is not a good sign at all. Yeah, I mean, the trenches, man, the trenches. Once again, um, until we saw that, we will never compete. I have a little more hope in the D line than you do, though. What and Jacob Tuioti Mariner and your boy? Uh, I was about to say Ray Edwards. I know that's not his name. Who's the guy we signed from Los Angeles last year who just laid an egg? Dante Fowler Jr. I have no faith in any of those guys except Grady Jarrett, the only guy that's worth a damn on that line. Marlon Davidson, he's coming for you this year, baby. Okay. Did you hear that D'Edrin Sinat got cut? Oh, thank Our God. Our third-round yeah. pick who did nothing. Another yeah. classic Thomas Dimitrov. Like, it is just uh, a, Tom, a classic Thomas Dimitrov with. It is just blind luck that Grady Jarrett turned out as good as he he did. I mean, it's on Grady for doing putting in the work and becoming an absolute beast, but... If you look at Thomas's track record, Grady is the only player on the defensive line that was consistently worth a damn that he ever drafted. That's it. I, I guess that's the difference in having new coaches in. Is they're, they're not going to hold on to these guys that were drafted high just out of pride. No. So Sanat's gone. Uh, best thing they've done all offseason, they got rid of that bum, Hoffrichter. <laughs> the punter? The punter. That, that we spent a seventh-round pick on. That we drafted last year. Told you he was terrible. The new regime realized this guy's like the worst punter in the league. What's he doing here? So, I remember, so I remember Fontenot was saying that. I remember listening to that Atlanta's own episode where where that, that that guy Adam just went on and on about how bad Hoffrichter was, and I had to I had to cut him. I mean, that fan enthusiasm was dampening, just strictly from the punting. Well, you see, a, a punter thinks he can just kind of like you know lay low, and people aren't going to notice him. But like every single time, I was like, this guy, like he's never there. There was never a return because it was like always the shortest punt you'll ever see. In your life. Right. Like, just complete trash. Yeah. You got to make something happen. So that's good news, Graham. That's that's big, big, big news, Adam. This is hard-hitting stuff, oh, isn't yeah. it? Um, 
Matt Ryan says he's liking the system. He's saying it's coming a little more naturally to him. There's a lot of familiar concepts, and then there's other wrinkles that he's still learning. But I'm not too concerned about about Matt. I think um, it will be weird once this season's over where this puts us as, a, as an organization, if we'll move on from Matt or not. But that conversation will be had at a later time. I was at the bank today, and I was wearing a mask because that's something we have to do again, unfortunately. And it's a Falcons mask. And the lady starts talking to me about the Falcons, and she says how she was like, "Are you like a serious Falcons fan?" I didn't tell her, "Yeah, I host a podcast." I, I, I didn't do that, but I was like, "Yeah, pretty pretty serious." She's like, "That's how my husband is." She's like, "Let me ask you a question. You can just nod your head, yes or no." <laughs> Matt Ryan, just like being like, so she clearly thought Matt Ryan sucked. Right, it's the worst thing you in do? the world. You nod your head. I said, "Matt Ryan's not our issue." It's a lot deeper than that. Just like that's what my husband's always trying to tell me, but like, he just—I just see the end of the games and he blows it for us. Maybe she needs to uh, also watch how the defense blows games continuously. We put up like thirty points. I, I, I told her it was terrible coaching that he had the last couple of years, going through all, the, plus going through. I mean, dirt cutter. How ridiculous is it's that? An awful coordinator. That he was our coordinator. The Another last two years. terrible decision by Dan Quinn. Like, that was god awful. But yeah, the the offensive line has been terrible in front of him as well, and. You know, the grass is not always greener. I still say there's probably 20 teams out there that would take Matt Ryan as their quarterback. Yeah. Maybe not that many. Maybe that many, but I'd say 15. Half the league. Half the league. Half the yeah. league. So we got a league average quarterback right now is what we're saying. I but guess. he can be great. Yes. <laughs> we know he can be great. Yeah. If you give him time, he will destroy you. He just needs time. Yeah. And a coordinator that can unleash him. And hopefully, I mean, I mean, I expect Arthur Smith to completely unleash Matt Ryan. He even said that they're doing speed drills with him so he can get faster. I'm like, that's a waste of time, but whatever. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I had actually had a similar thing happen to me last week when I went to the doctor and I was wearing a Falcons hat. And she was like, oh, you're a Falcons fan? I was like, yes, yes, ma'am. And it was the nurse. And she's like, I'm a huge Falcons fan. And I, I, I did the opposite thing, actually. This is funny. I was like, what do you think about Matt Ryan? He's like... <laughs> That's my quarterback, and I was like, "Hell yes!" Okay, nice. Yeah, <laughs> nice. So, that's funny. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was your go-to question, huh? Yeah. Well, I had to, I had to, I had to feel her out because you know I, you hear people say, "Oh, I'm a Falcons fan." I'm like, "Well, let's talk." Let's, you know, when she said, "That's my quarterback," I'm like, "You've you've been putting up this bullshit your entire life, haven't you?" And she's like, "Yes, yes, sir." I mean, that is the great thing about having an NFL team in your city. Like, I mean, just a couple weeks before that, I was on I was on the streets waiting at a a, a crosswalk to go to the bank. And I hear some other people asking, he's like, oh, the, the Falcons, that's your team, huh? And I thought they were talking to me again, but they were talking to another guy. And uh, I just overhear this conversation about the Falcons and is an out-of-towner asking the in-town guy. He's like, how are you going to replace Julio? Like, you guys are screwed. And the guy just, like, very quickly was like, Kyle Pitts. Yeah. Calvin it, Ridley. Yeah. And haven't you seen any Falcons games in the last three years? We've had Julio and we haven't done Buckus. Yeah. Because the rest <laughs> yeah. of our team sucks. Yeah. There's more to it than the skill position players. Right. That's for damn sure. And, Adam, I think that wraps up today's Atlanta Zone, minus one housekeeping uh, thing we got to announce. So, wait, wait, wait. Oh, Before okay. you get to that, Graham. Yeah. You forgot the damn Atlanta United. Oh, I'm so sorry. They won a game, which we watched. We did watch that game. And they got a new head coach, Gonzalo Pineda who was the top assistant from the Seattle Sounders. Did he coach that game that we won? 
he would have been an assistant coach if he did. I don't know. Okay. Don't ask me any follow-up questions. <laughs> um, but it's been addressed. They did what you and Alexa discussed on the podcast, which was instead of hiring international talent, they're going with someone that knows the MLS. And uh, yeah, apparently this guy was a, a good get. So, but that, that's all you can say. They've gone through so many head coaches. You can't get excited, but no, it's been addressed on the podcast onto your housekeeping. Sure. So yes, housekeeping update for Atlanta zone. Uh, there's an organization out there that has taken a chance on, me and Adam to deliver quality content week in and week out. So we are going to be officially sponsored by the Amaze Media Labs uh, podcast network called the Pigskin Podcast Network. And uh, we're really happy to join this uh, fine organization of a lot of other podcasts across the country covering the NFL. Uh, This does not mean that we are going to change our show at all Um, in the sense of it doesn't mean that we'll just become a Falcons podcast. We will continue to talk about all four Atlanta professional sports teams. Well, I guess – three and a half if you count Atlanta United um, the show's not going to change the the only thing that's really going to to happen is is that we're probably going to have more guests on from other folks who are in the network who cover the football team so we'll probably have interviews with folks who are the podcast of other teams within the network such as you know if we're playing the Saints you know we'll have an interview with the Saints guys and and, and you know get 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 the uh, inside scoop on what's going on with the Saints and things like that and we'll put that out probably at the end of the week. So what we're going to try and do is have more epi- you know, normal Atlanta Zone episodes at the beginning of the week and at the end of the week also have a, um, you know, a, a basically a game preview show with with folks in our uh, in our new podcast network. It's going to be weird to, like, be cordial with all these guys for other teams because, like, normally I talk to a Saints fan. I'm going to want to yell at them. Oh, sure. Like, we can still probably get into it, Adam. I'm, I'm sure. We'll, we'll have to feel it out. It's yeah. Gonna, it's going to be strange. But, um it should be cool for for us and for the users. Yes, and um, so one thing we would we'd ask of you guys to do is to download episodes when you listen to the show. Download episodes that's that's good for us and helps us out. Um, this thing will officially be launching September first, but we we were told we can finally talk about it, so we are happy to join the Pigskin, Pigskin Podcast Network. We'll probably be dropping some links to some of the other shows um, that we you know have on our show when uh when we do those game preview episodes so look for that beginning of the uh beginning of september you think if they start a major league soccer podcast network they would ask us to be uh the official podcast for that as well i think we'd have to turn that one down (laughs) (laughs) that'd be inauthentic yeah yeah that's a good point but i think that wraps us up today adam good lengthy show i'd say hmm I agree, Graham. I agree. Yes. Well said. It's a lot. <laughs> Dynamite drop it. Yeah. Brain, brain, brain gone. Yeah. Brain done tonight. All right. Thanks for listening, folks, wherever you are. And um, we'll holler at you next week. Until then, rise up, chop on, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. Hospitalmanship. Hospitalmanship.